0: This is Sunday Morning Together, across Australia, on Vision Christian Radio.
1: Robbo, with you, I'm filling in for Woods again this week. I promise he'll be back next week. I know I said that last week, but uh, he'll be back with us next week on Sunday Morning Together. But uh, my guest and co-host for the morning is from the US, uh, from Ohio in fact, Michael Foster is here. G'day Michael, how are you? I'm doing well, great to be with you. Good to have you in, and... uh, Of course, this is your first time visiting Australia, so I'm keen to know you've only sort of spent a few days uh, here, but uh, what have been your your impressions of Australia so far?
2: Well, uh, Melbourne is very proud of their small coffees and little stools that they have in their coffee shop that look like they're for kids, but American could (laughs) maybe sit on two of them if we put them together. Okay. But no, it's been great. Uh, I love to meet Christians from around the world. It's amazing how God works faith in people uh, like everywhere we all we all love and worship the same Jesus so it's been good spending time with different pastors around here um, learning to um look the right way when i'm trying to cross a road mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes uh, learning about li- having little buttons on your outlets so that's kind of throwing me for a loop uh, we don't have those <laughs> back in the states and i have not had a chance to wrestle a crocodile or fight a kangaroo but oh. i have a couple days left here okay On the continent, and hopefully uh, that dream will come true. Mm,
1: Well, let's hope that (laughs) if you get onto the news, we'll know that uh, your dreams come true. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Well, Michael Foster is my guest and co-host for The Morning on Sunday Morning Together. Of course, he's going to bring us the best five-minute sermon that you will hear all day uh, right here on Vision. That's coming up in a couple of hours. We're also going to hear a bit more of his story and hear about his uh, family, which is back in the States at the moment. And uh, his role as a pastor, but also, I believe, uh, an entrepreneur and businessman as well. So we'll uh, yep. we'll hear a bit more about that through the course of the morning as well. So that's all to come. Sunday Morning Together, across Australia, on Vision Christian Radio. Robo right, right with you this morning. And my guest and co-host is Michael Foster, who is a pastor from the USC in Ohio. You pastor the East River Church there in Ohio. Am I guessing right that there's a, a river there called the East River?
2: Uh, there's the Ohio River, of which we are east of.
1: Oh, okay. So you're east of the river. I've got Correct. you. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, just um, a little bit of uh, geography for those that aren't familiar. Explain where is Ohio in, in the context of the, the U.S.? Uh- sure. So the United States has
2: the east and west coast. In each of those coasts, there's a mountain range. So out on the west coast, there's a huge Rockies On the East Coast, there's the Appalachians. So we're right over to the other side of the Appalachians. It's called the Midwest. Mm -hmm. So it's not quite the middle. The middle is kind of where the Mississippi River is, but Mm -hmm. we're right on the Ohio River. So everyone that grows up in Cincinnati grows up on the Ohio River. Mark Twain used to joke that if the world was going to end, he would go to Cincinnati because it takes uh, everything 10 years to get there. (laughs) Okay. Excellent.
1: Yeah, that's a bit of a claim to fame, I guess. For hey, yeah,
2: uh, the way things are today. That's not so bad.
1: That's right. So yeah, being in Ohio is not a bad thing with it's worked uh, out. the <laughs> the world going the way that it is. So it's great to have you with us, and uh, we're going to be hearing a bit more of your story over the course of uh, the next hour or so. I know, and we spoke about a bit, a bit about this on uh, the radio during the week, that you are an author. You've written uh, a book uh, called It's Good to Be a Man. Uh, now, is that the only book that you've written, or have you done any other writing, r- writing articles, that sort of thing? I've written a lot of
2: articles for different websites over the years. Um, I'm trying to finish a book right now called Surviving the Death of a Child. Mm. So my wife and I had a little girl die on her due date, so stillbirth. And wow. that's not something people have written on very much. Mm. So while we're out there trying to find a book to help us kind of sort through it, we realized that books were either too long or too sentimental or too heady. We just wanted to write something that – um was a little raw, so you could connect with it, but also help people move through the trauma, not camp out in it. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. So, how long ago was that that you guys went through that? It was uh, 11 years ago. Okay. It was August wow. 11 years ago. And so, we had had three boys, and then uh, Emma was pregnant with Nicaea. We, did, we didn't know that we we're going to ever get girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, she died. It was totally unexpected. It kind wow. of our life. Uh, into a, a tailspin there for a bit. I can imagine and it's a very, very difficult thing uh, to go through. So we wanted. To, we I wrote a lot on it. So I'm I'm about two thirds done with the book. It's mm-hmm. just a hard thing to write on. Mm, but yeah. we, there's a lot of people that don't talk about death. I'll get yeah. to that in my sermon actually. But um, but I think it's important that we have short books that people actually read mm-hmm. that kind of help you move on. Yeah. Right. My 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 daughter isn't here, but she still exists. Mm-hmm. She's with the Lord. Yeah. And so that's yeah. a great
1: confidence. Absolutely, yeah. There's a great hope in that, isn't there, for Absolutely. believers? Absolutely. Another so, link for heaven, another reason to look forward yeah. to eternal life. Absolutely. Oh, well, we'll keep an eye out for that uh, book when it comes out as well. I guess more of a handbook, are you saying? It's yeah, it's more- a shorter
2: book. If people go to the Stand Firm conference, that I'll be speaking at the, this week, which this will be afterwards, but uh, we're going to give that book away free. So hopefully that'll be out sometime in the start of the new year.
1: Okay, fantastic. That sounds great. Well, we got uh, Michael Foster with us. a uh, communion coming up soon. And uh, we're going to be encouraging you just to uh, prepare your hearts. And In fact, I'll ask you now, Michael, as far as, uh, you know, I guess, preparing our hearts for communion, what, what would be your encouragement as a pastor? What would you say to you, know, if you were speaking to someone in your congregation right now, how should they prepare their heart for uh, you know, coming before the Lord in communion?
2: Oh, there's two parts, really. One, you need to come uh, ready to repent of your sins. Uh, God, I need the blood of your son. I need forgiveness. I need you in my life. So come in that sort of humility, come into the cross. And then afterwards, it's it's to be a celebration, right? We're proclaiming his death until he comes. So we're proclaiming his death. He died on the cross for us. but We're also looking forward to that second coming, that, that blessed hope that we have. Mm. So it's penance
1: with hope. Yeah, brilliant. Well, prepare your hearts and prepare uh, some elements. If you've got uh, something that you can uh, partake of with us today, whether it be a bit of bread or wafer, uh, some uh, water, juice, wine, whatever it might be, uh, get ready for that. We're going to do communion in the next little while.
0: Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio.
1: My guest and co-host for this morning is from the U.S. Uh, Michael Foster is with us, a pastor from East River Church in Ohio. And this is the time of day that we always uh, share communion together. I'm going to ask Michael right now just to share something with us that is going to bring our hearts just really focusing on uh, the Lordship of Christ. Sure. Well, in
2: Philippians chapter 2, we're told... They have this mind among ourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. And this tells us a lot about his ministry to us. It says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God, a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in the human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. So what you should take away from that is two things. One is that Christ died the death you deserve to die, right? You did not keep the law. You've broken God's law. Sin is lawlessness, and everyone is going to be held accountable for that. So you have to ask, what will you plead? So if you can try to plead your good works if you want, but that's not going to do it because God knows every secret, and even the best works you did, if they weren't done in faith, they don't glorify God. So it's a blessing to know that Jesus lived the life we should have lived and died the death that we should have. So now God's wrath has been satisfied, but Jesus didn't just die, right? He conquered sin, death, and the devil, and he's uh, been raised on high. He's he's sitting right now on the throne of heaven, and he's coming again. And so in the Lord's Supper, we are thanking and remembering God uh, for what Jesus accomplished in the cross, but also looking forward forward to that day where sin won't hamper us anymore and where we'll be seated at uh, the dinner table with him forever. So in a sense, taking the Lord's Supper is us being lifted up into heaven, having a foretaste of what's to come in eternity, which is unbroken, perfect fellowship, not hampered by sin, not by death, not by the devil. Absolutely beautiful, glorified fellowship. That's what we're partaking of right now.
0: Mm.
1: Well, I encourage you to uh, do that right now. If you are listening to us and you've got some elements that you can share uh, together, uh, we'd lo- love to encourage you to do that. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer as we do uh, partake together today. Lord, we just thank you for that reminder, uh, Lord, just that you did uh, humble yourself, that you went to the cross, that you died that death that uh, we uh, deserve to die, that you paid the price that we could never pay. And so we just thank you for that. Thank you that we can reflect on that and honour you for that this morning. And we just pray, Lord, that as we take these elements, Lord, that you would remind us of your broken body, Lord, that uh, was broken so that we may be healed. Lord, you shed blood that was shed so that we may have forgiveness of our sins. And we give you the praise and the glory for that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Sunday morning together across Australia
0: on Vision Christian Radio.
1: And my guest and co-host for the morning is Michael Foster. Michael's been in Australia uh, on a bit of a speaking tour. You've uh, been uh, involved with a conference uh, here in Australia. And I know you've mentioned that you were in Sydney and Melbourne as well ahead of time, but uh, was that were you doing any events there or were you just sort of checking the place out? When I'm done, it'll be,
2: I think I've, I speak like 20 times.
1: <laughs> oh, right. So you've been doing, <laughs> I've here, been so? Working,
2: yeah. So we've done, uh, we started in Melbourne, mm-hmm. went to Sydney, Newcastle, then Brisbane.
1: Okay. Oh, fantastic. That's great. And how does it compare? Do you find like, I mean, just, I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different just sort of turning up as the speaker. But you know, comparing, I guess, the church in the U.S. with, with Australia, like, what, what's been your observations there? Well, the church in the U.S. is
2: stronger. There's no doubt about that. There's, um, it, it's very clear that you guys don't have the same robustness that we have, but there's life here, right? And there's reason to be uh, optimistic. I think of uh, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, mm-hmm. and it's easy for us to take the church for granted, uh, and so back home I have – I can think of 50 good churches in my town and I'm what? really tight with a lot of pastors and we keep in touch with each other and we encourage each other. Uh, in terms of just really faithful, the Bible's the word of God and we should preach it and not be ashamed of it. Uh, that's not as common here as, as it maybe once was. And so I think what I would say to Christians in Australia – is is band together as much as you can, network, get to know each other if you're out there in the outback or the bush, whatever you call it. Uh get together, read the Bible together, sing songs together, encourage each other. Uh community is a necessity and it's a blessing, and whatever you can get, get it, right? Mm. So and I just think Americans, we can take that for granted. And uh and we have. So it's been it's been helpful to me. I'll go home much more appreciating what the Lord has blessed us with, but if I can Leave you all with anything is is to pursue community all the hard. Don't, don't, it doesn't have to be this way. You can have a vibrant church, and that is God's will for Australia.
0: Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio.
1: Robbo with you. My guest and co host for the morning is from the USA, Michael Foster. I'm keen to hear a bit of your story, Michael, to know uh, you know, where you've grown up. I mean, you're living in Ohio these days, pastoring the church there at East River Church in Ohio. Uh, but uh, were you born there, or where where were you born? Where did you grow up? I was born in Independence, Missouri, which is the start of the
2: Oregon Trail. So, if you ever played the old '80s video game Oregon Trail on a computer, that's where it starts, Independence, <laughs> Missouri. So, I, I was born there to a uh, uh, Fred and Don Foster. Uh, didn't grow up a Christian, and uh, and I uh, was having all sorts of trouble in grade school already, like biting and stabbing. Whatever. Oh, wow. It was very difficult, young. Young man. And so when I was in uh, first grade, my mom decided to send me to live with my, my grandmother. As a little boy, I, I felt like I was being sent away being punished. Mm, yeah. But my uh, my grandmother um, immigrated uh, from Germany to America after World War II. She was like in uh, the Battle of Königsberg and the bombing of Dresden. And, wow. And, uh, and so she was a, a tough woman. She had remarried – uh, who was functionally my grandfather? My mom's dad died, in my before I was born, and he was a retired correctional officer. So something that ran kind of like a, a juvenile prison. So mm-hmm. here I am with this Holocaust survivor, World War II grandmother, and mm. this correctional officer, wow. and I'm in their their house. And uh, so they they brought a lot of order to my life that I hadn't known in the broken family that I previously been mm-hmm. in. So it ended up being kind of separating me and my my brothers, uh, my brothers, all of us. Did get arrested quite a bit. Wow! Um, before we were eighteen. Um, how many brothers did you have? I have uh, two. One passed away last year
1: uh, of a drug overdose.
2: Oh, wow. And uh, and another younger brother is uh, in Montana.
1: Okay. Wow. So, yeah. so when you were sent to your grandmother's house, like how old were your brothers? Were they already around, or they did they were come later?
2: Two years younger. Mm-hmm. So I was. I think I went out there. I was about six and a half, mm-hmm. so um, Justin was four and, and Wayne was two.
1: Okay, wow. That must have really shaped, I mean, particularly your childhood, but yeah, even beyond that, like you know, having th- that sense, as you say, of being sent away, like yeah. you know, you're naughty, you don't yep. belong here. How did that sort of impact you, You know, particularly into your teenage years?
2: Well, I did not identify with my mom and dad in the way a kid normally would. They were more like an aunt and uncle to me for many mm-hmm. years. And so I, I really saw my my grandmother and grandfather as kind of like my parents. God used that in a weird way um, because I I was raised by an older generation, so I had this connection to an older set of kind of mm. values and way of life. And and they were not they were not strong Christians at all at that time. They would mm-hmm. go to a Lutheran church from time to time, uh, but they did have order and you did clean up your room and do dishes and did your homework and live a disciplined life. And that really separated me from my brothers. Even though I was getting in trouble, I still passed and I I could get all my homework done Mm -hmm. and whatever. Um, But then uh, I remember talking to my mom just a couple of years about this. And she said, I sent, I sent you away because our guidance counselor at your elementary school said if I didn't, that you were going to have a bad rep and they're going to keep you in kind of a mentally challenged class and I wanted you to have a change. So when I came, went out and lived with my grandmother, uh, I went from failing everything, being in kind of a special ed, mentally challenged class, to being gifted and talented, which is like oh, kind of like – and I went from – you know I got straight A's and my life radically changed. Mm-hmm. Children need – they need discipline. They need structure. Yeah. And they, they gave it to me. So uh, my mom made a really hard decision. My mom and father did when I was young, and they did what was right for me. Mm. And and God God used it, and I'm glad that I, I got to hear my mom say that because it, you know, it, it brought peace because you know those things stick with you when you're. I really can him, imagine, yeah. pretty incredible.
1: That's amazing. What an incredible start to life, I guess. And then, did you stay on with your grandmother, or did you ever go back home? At I did. Time? I get I got picked up by my parents again.
2: I didn't really want to go, um, but so we moved around. I went to eight different schools growing up. And my dad was always searching. We would call it searching for Mayberry. And so if there's an old American show called the uh, Andy Griffith Show, Mayberry is like this idyllic country town. And I think my dad was just looking for that. He could never find it. But during summers, I'd go stay with my grandmother and weekends. And so I always just connected over there. And um, my uh, my family was very poor and my dad struggled with alcoholism and, and gambling and, and my mom was kind of an overcompensating, kind of smothering mother at times. And uh, so it, it it was a rough household to grow up in. Mm. There was, wasn't a lot of peace. There was a lot of fighting. Um, I can remember just eating hot dogs for every meal and just uh, taping our shoes together because there was no money, living mm-hmm. on uh, the welfare system and all that stuff. Wow. And so I, I grew up that way. I didn't grow up going to church. didn't grow up praying to God. I... I knew people believed in God, but I, my grandmother had been, you know, I, I did Hanukkah growing up with my grandmother, and then uh, sometimes, and then sometimes we did Christmas, and to me, all all that stuff was just kind of man's tradition that taught us morals or something like that, but mm-hmm. there was not really a God. I didn't believe in a God. I was always kind of an agnostic atheist, mm. um, and I didn't really care about that issue Too, I was about 15, and I started to be impressed. On it and then I became what we, we, kind of the stereotypical angry atheist right okay and uh interesting yeah well, so we'll, we'll
1: yeah. get to that in a second right. we'll find out more about what happened through your teenage years but uh, this is Sunday morning together learning a bit about the life of Michael Foster this
0: is Sunday morning together across Australia on vision Christian radio
1: Michael Foster is my guest and co-host this morning and we're hearing a bit of your life story a, a very rough childhood i guess you could say that uh, process of being sent away from home for a while to live with your grandparents and then back again into a very dysfunctional home uh, but you mentioned just a moment ago that uh, at around 15 you were were being pressed a bit in regards to faith but that sort of you know you sort of basically pushed back and became an angry atheist so yeah. tell us what that looked like
2: well my little brother he got uh, there's this pentecostal couple that lived around the block and they took an in- interest in him and invited him to kind of like a Sunday school, and that convicted my mom. And my mom started going back to a charismatic church, and I uh, and so they all were trying to. I was getting in a lot of trouble. I was uh, I, I never have failed a test in my life, but I would fail classes because I wouldn't turn my homework in. And my my way of thinking was like, if I can pass your test without doing your homework, then I don't need to do your homework. Uh, so I, I was getting in trouble with the law I got arrested for uh breaking an entry and getting in fights. I got expelled from school for hitting my principal with the chair. Uh, it was just like a really angry wow. sort of guy and um and i'd kind of been a soft, softy weak dude in uh middle school comic book artist or whatever and then i I grew like a foot one summer and put on forty pounds and started playing all the sports and all that um and so I was I was having people starting to preach the gospel to me, m- my, my brother, a little bit, he's like a little kid, and I loved him, so I wouldn't be mean to him, but some of these kids at school started doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I'd ask them hard questions about how do you fit all those animals on the ark, and you know, if God's so good, why is there evil in the world? These sort of typical questions people ask. But um, what really happened was uh, two things really were pretty major. One is I had a, a biology teacher- and he skipped the chapter on evolution. And I was really upset. And I said, Dr. Bao, why, why, why did you not do the, um, class on, on evolution? And he said, well, I can tell you after class. So after class, he said, look, I, I have a problem with, there's no mechanism for natural selection. Uh, uh, mutations always lead in the loss of information, not the addition of new. Mm-hmm. And so I never knew people rejected evolution. I had never heard of it my entire life. It was like mind blowing to wow. me. And it was just the craziest thing. He, and here's this he's a manly guy. He was a, he was a wrestling coach, the reserve football coach, and, and a smart man. So here's a man that's both strapping and strong, but also intellectual. So something I looked up to. It just was a kind of a category breaker mm. for me. Then this girl, Margaret Smith, Margaret, it'd be crazy if you're hearing this out there. Margaret, <laughs> um, I was so mean to Margaret because the, all these kids would carry their Bibles around school and it annoyed me because they just carry their Bibles, but I never saw them reading it to me. So it was like a sort of like spectacle. Look mm-hmm. at me. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of fake. So I would tease Margaret and make fun of her and reviling. She did not revile. She <laughs> so, yeah, right. so was just really kind and... Uh, I saw the character in her that I hadn't seen other in any other women, so I did what every guy does when he runs to a woman like that. I asked her out, and she said no. <laughs> so, but uh, but here's this smart man and this godly girl, and for the first time, I'm seeing something that looks different mm. than the world, and something that because I just was used to kind of like name it, claim it, prosperity gospel stuff, mm-hmm. um, nothing that had real uh, substance to it. Yeah. So God used that to start to prep my heart. I remember Margaret asked me, I believe it was my sophomore, at the end of my sophomore year, so 10th grade, what are you going to do this summer? I was like, I think I'm going to look more into Christianity and see if there is a God. And so I started attending a church. And I would listen, but uh, I I, I saw tons of crazy hypocrisy. And so I just kept going, though, and I got invited to this uh, two-on-two basketball tournament. So, uh, But it was a trick. Midway through the basketball tournament, Some big guy comes out and preaches the gospel. (laughs) So he just preaches very simple message, right? Repentance from sin. Uh, God will free you from the power of the devil. He'll, he'll save you. You'll have a new life. The Holy Spirit will dwell in you. You'll, you'll be empowered. I was just convicted. And I remember I walked up front and they all prayed for me. And then I went outside. It was, it was November. It was cold. Um, it was November of my junior year. And I remember saying to God, like, okay, I'm wrong. You're real. You're right. This is all a bit much for me. Please be patient with me. And I became a Christian. That was a uh, – it was like a Friday or a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then I went to my card catalog because that's how old I am. I'm 43. <laughs> went to a card catalog and I looked up Christian uh, or Christianity and I got the first two books that I could find in our high school library, which was Augustine's Confessions and The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson. Oh, great. Yeah. And so I just started reading those books. Yeah. And that's kind of like why I've always kind of been a theological mutt of sorts mm-hmm. Right, very rooted in ancient Christianity that I love, but also you got to love the street preaching boldness yeah. of David Wilkerson. Yeah. And, um, and that that was the start of it. So my GPA went from 1.8 to 3.4, which is a huge turnaround just mm. a year and a half. Um, became the team captain on so- several sports and, and started preaching the gospel to anyone that would listen, or even if they wouldn't listen, <laughs> I would still keep preaching it.
0: Wow, that's amazing. What an incredible uh, turnaround in your life. Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio.
1: And my guest and co-host this morning is Michael Foster. We've been uh, loving hearing your story, Michael. Just an amazing uh, childhood, really You know, tough things that you went through, but then a very dramatic conversion sort of in your uh, late teens. Um, and that's kind of where we're up to. So you went from being you know, very agnostic, uh, I guess, you know, trying to ask all the hard questions and stump the Christians and catch them out, I guess, uh, to just being on fire for the Lord and mm. you know, being willing to preach and tell Annoying anybody about God's love. So um, where did you go from there? Like, that was sort of like in your senior year of, of high school, but what happened after that? Well, probably the big thing is I wouldn't stop preaching the
2: gospel. I'd literally go from person to person during the lunch hour <laughs> wow. and just ask them. And I was, I was big, right? Mm-hmm. I was 6'1", like 195 pounds, no fat. And an aggressive sort of personality.
1: And because you mentioned you're on like the wrestling team. I was. Too, I was so. team captain
2: of wrestling team. I was a tight end and defensive end in football wow. and swam uh, butterfly, did all that sort of stuff. Um, so then uh, – so people got sick of me. <laughs> Some people got saved. But my best friends, I remember one night I was supposed to meet them at a movie theater, and they lived at the end of this kind of long stretch of highway that I could walk up uh, from my house to that movie theater. They ditched me, and I remember walking home – Uh, praying, God, why are you taking my friends from me? Mm. You know, I'm serving you. I'm trying to be faithful. I don't know. I understand this. I walk into a a, a parking lot, and this guy skates up to me and asks me if I know Jesus. Now, I have a T-shirt on that says, like, uh, K-N-O-W, no versus N-O, right? Mm -hmm. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace, Uh, right? So I I thought he was mocking me because back then in the States, skaters kind of rough. Mm -hmm. It was before they were a bunch of preppy kind of uh, Nancy boys. Um, but back then they were kind of rough. So I thought this guy was looking for a fight. I'm like, Oh, this can, this night get any, any worse. But actually, uh, it wasn't, he was a new Christian too. And all the skaters there had, they had become Christians in the last nine months. Oh, So I get invited to a Bible study with them and I start going to these Bible studies. And that guy, Er Eric tough and Sam, he just texted me this morning. We've been friends ever since. Right. I was 16. He was 15 and, or I was 17 was, he was 15 and we've been friends, you know, for decades. And we'd do all these Bible studies. We'd go street preaching. And then we started a skateboard ministry where we would build ramps and kids would come and skate. And then we'd just preach the gospel to them. And we kept building so many ramps that we'd fill up a like a truck that's almost like a semi. Mm. And we started traveling around America. And we'd set up the skateboard park in the uh, parking lot of churches. Mm. Hundreds of kids would come. Yeah. And then we'd set them have them all sit down in the middle of it. And we'd preach the gospel to them. And any of that repented, we'd give them a Bible and pray with them and plug them into the church. Yeah. And so we're like 19 years old just doing stuff like that, always in the newspaper, always on the radio. And we just thought that was normal. We just thought that's what Christians <laughs> did because we read the book of Acts. Yeah. So I, I ended up taking over a, a Bible study that became a youth group while I was going to Northern Kentucky University where I studied history and um, English. I met Emily uh, at a Bible study while we both were still in high school. She got saved after I taught, and then we started dating like six, seven months later. Mm. And uh, so we've been together 24 years as a couple, married 20 years. And uh, so those are crazy times, man. That's amazing. God works through. We we used to take kids, 10-year-olds, downtown where there's homeless people and drug dealers. I can't believe nothing bad ever happened. But we saw – we would see people – I remember witnessing to a huge crowd of kind of like gang-like guys – and people starting to cry, and I I know whatever I said back then wasn't genius. Uh-huh. <laughs> like when I listen to my old sermons, I just cringe. Yeah. But but that's that's God. God loves to draw uh, straight lines with crooked sticks, mm. right? He's, he's a powerful God.
1: And maybe inspired a bit by the cross and the switchblade, were you with that? Uh, yeah. The, oh, that's the, how
2: we were. We would if we were crazy. If it wasn't a dangerous neighborhood, we didn't want to go there. Because yeah. we had read that, and I think it's what to get kind of young men back in the church. One thing we need to do is. is to emphasize taking risks for God. And if my kid went down to an area to preach the gospel, he would kill me. On Mm. I'd be so worried, but I'd be
1: be happy that they're willing to do that. That's amazing. How good is that? This is Sunday Morning Together, and we're hearing the story of Michael Foster. He's in Australia at the moment and uh, visiting from Ohio in the USA. And you're going to hear more of your story. And coming up in the next uh, 20 minutes or so, we're going to hear the best five-minute sermon that you'll hear all day. So stick around for that. Sunday Morning Together, together.
0: across Australia, on Vision Christian Radio.
1: My guest and co-host this morning is Michael Foster. Michael is uh, from the U.S., from Ohio. He passes the East River Church there in Ohio. We've been hearing your story, Michael, and I've just loved uh, the way that God really got a hold of you as a a teenager, 16, 17-year-old. And just uh, you've really just run with that passion for the Lord ever since. Uh, you did mention a minute ago about uh, uh, Emily, your wife, who you've been married to now for 20 years. Uh, so um, that was interesting that you actually basically led her to the Lord. Like you spoke and she came to the Lord, and then ultimately ended up dating and then marrying. So that's a bit of a unique uh, yeah. relationship.
2: Yeah, it's been great. Uh, so Em and I got married. She was 19. I was 23. So she was a freshman and senior. I thought she was a year older, and she thought I was a year younger. Yeah, we found <laughs> each other's age. We're like, I don't know, but uh, but so yeah, we got we got married in two thousand three, and we like a lot of couples were delaying having children, which was a real mistake. You know, uh, these couples they get married and they go get a cat, right? The reason they go <laughs> get a cat is because they know naturally that they, they they want a little life to take care of together. And so we eventually embraced um having children, and God blessed us. With Hudson Taylor, uh, my, my first son, and then Athanasius, and then Cademan. Then we had Nicaea, which was a, a daughter of ours that passed away. Um, then we had uh, Galilee, Cedar, Cyprian, Cyrene. So we've had eight, eight children all together, four boys, four girls, and um, and uh, it's a full life, right? Mm. Uh, but, you know, the difference between two and three kids, it's like the chaos is equal. And so, <laughs> Emily homeschools our kids. She's uh, such a blessing to me. She's very practically minded, much like I am. And, uh, we both have a high tolerance for kind of chaos and mm-hmm. and risk and
1: whatever. That's probably and, a good thing with seven kids brought around is, the house. It is, it is. <laughs> and uh,
2: well, I will tell you what, when it's quiet in my house, you're scared. That's right. Yeah. Why what, is yeah, it what's going on? What is on fire? It's like it shouldn't be. Shouldn't be that way. And um. So anyway, we have we've, we've been blessed with all these children mm. and doing our best to raise them up in fear and That's admonition awesome. of the Lord. And so how old are the kids now? Like, what, what's the age range? It goes all the way from seventeen down to three years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So. But uh, welcoming my, my little son into manhood more and more, that's that's been a beautiful thing. And my daughter Gal is just like heading into puberty, so mm-hmm. it's the most it's the it was the best and worst of times. Okay, as they imagine. say. But it, it it's just uh, boys and girls are so different. They're such a joy. But um Emily has been a great help mate. I, I don't she's been so supportive of us in the ministry. I always tell people there's wives of pastors and pastors' wives. Mm. And my wife is a pastor's wife. She knows what that means. She's not Mrs. Pastor, but she, she is supportive of everything. She's got such a hosp, hosp, uh, hospitable spirit about her, a joy. Um, and just she loves God. She pushed me to come out here to Australia. I've been mm. out here two weeks away from my family, uh, which is longer than I've ever been away from them. But uh, she saw the Lord's hand in it. So it's, it's, it's great to have a woman like that. So life is... Is a blessing. I, I'm so happy that, um, it, that I know that when we die, she'll no longer be my wife, but she'll be my sister in Christ forever. So the idea that my favorite person uh, in the world, I get to have fellowship with her, uh, unbroken, in mm. life eternal is, is, is wonderful. So yeah, marriage is a blessing.
1: It's wonderful. So good to hear. Well, this is Sunday Morning Together, and coming up soon, we're going to ask Michael to share a five-minute sermon with us. So it's going to be the best five-minute sermon that you are going to hear all day here on Vision. We can assure you of that. That's coming up soon. Sunday morning
0: together on Vision Christian Christian Radio.
1: Radio. Robbo with you, and my guest and co-host is about to lead us in the best five-minute sermon that you hear all day. And I always ask this of the guests, Michael, before you start, how are you with times? Because I know some passes, that's just like that's just a suggestion, or are you fairly good with uh, sticking to to the time frame?
2: If I have a conclusion... It is, in fact, a conclusion.
1: Okay, not a uh, preface yeah. to five more. <laughs> in in closing, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, that's good to know. Well, anyway, anyway, we'll hand over to you, and you can uh, share your five minute sermon with us right now. Well, wonderful. I just have half a
2: verse, really. I want to share with you all today, and it's from Philippians one twenty one. It's my favorite verse: "To live is Christ; to die is gain." And you need to consider the second half of that. That. Uh, That phrase, Paul says, to die is gain. That can only be true if to live is Christ. In other words, only Christians can say to die is gain. To die is gain is nonsense to the non-Christian. It's absolute foolishness. It goes against every fiber of their being. They live for the world, right? They aren't interested in the hereafter. They want the here and now. That The word secular actually means present, and that's all they live for, the present moment. That's why they live a life according to the Proverbs like uh, you only live once. All their joys, comforts, and pleasures are found in this world. So the secular man concludes that you better get them while you can. You better live it up. It's hard for the non-Christian to maintain that worldview. The reason for that is because death is so sobering. Death reminds him of the fleeting nature of this life. Death, at some level, reminds him of the coming judgment, all that he's working for the wealth, the pleasure, the comforts, it's all going to come to an end and there is nothing he can do about it. He is powerless to stop the inevitable. So he hides the reminders of this reality. He hides death. He does everything he can do to deny, to ignore and downplay its coming. Entire industries have been built on the promise of reversing aging. They exist to slow and cover up the creeping specter of death, whether it's through makeup, supplements, or diets, or working out. But aging can only be hidden for so long, and that's why we hide our elderly in nursing homes and communities. I'm not saying there isn't a place for them, but make no mistake, a large part of it is to escape the reminder of death. But death, it comes to all. And that's why, instead of funerals with an open casket, we have celebrations of life, and there is rarely a dead body on display. We try to make death cheerful. We try to put a positive spin on things. We try to lessen its sting. And that's because to die is to lose everything for the non-Christian. It isn't gain. It is complete and utter loss. Now, that's not the case for the child of God. For him to live is Christ, to die is gain. Why? Well, consider it through the lens of past, present, and future. First, consider the Christian's past. We have been made alive in Christ after previously being spiritually dead. Listen to this beautiful passage from Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. We used to be spiritually dead. We were rightly under the judgment of God for our many sins and deserved his wrath. That is the state that we used to exist in, but not any longer if you're a believer. We've been redeemed. We've been delivered. We've been saved. We've been made alive. This is what we call the second birth or being regenerated, being born again. John 1.4, it says, "In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And then in First 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So, we experience this life by being united with Christ. And that occurs when we are born again. That was the point at which our life truly began. It began when we were placed in Christ. So that's the past. But second, the life of Christ is presently growing in us and it bears fruit. First, or in John chapter four, Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. So we bubble over with the life of Christ. It expands in us. It reigns in us more and more. It's a well always filling up. That is why Christ says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The life Christ started in us at the new birth is abundantly growing through sanctification. That's a fancy way to describe our growth in holiness. Too many professed Christians think of life only in uh, terms of the past. That is conversion and the future Uh, That is heaven. But presently, God is working in you. We are to be conformed to the image of God's Son. That should be happening right now. We are becoming more like Him. Our life is becoming more like His life. Third, our future is set. It is a everlasting life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day, says Jesus in John 6. This is the eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John 17. Then in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's a great question. Do you believe this? If you do, we will live forever and again because we are united with Christ. Our life is eternal and everlasting. All of our life, past, present, and future, is Christ. For the Christian to live is truly Christ. He is the originating source of life. We are being conformed to be more like him in the life we presently live, and we will uh, we will live with him forever. All of life is in him. Therefore, death is in no way a threat to the Christian. We are ultimately living for a world to come. That is, we live for eternity. Death doesn't rob us of our ultimate goal. Death is not the finish line. Death is the doorway to life forever. Our life goes on if your life is hidden in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you sent your son. He is perfect. He is everything we should be, but we weren't. And we thank you that your son is not a mere man, but he is the God man. Not only does he have the power to lay his life down, he has the power to take it back. And he has conquered death. Lord, I pray for all those that are hearing right now, if they don't know you, that they would repent of sin, and ask for forgiveness in Christ Jesus. I pray for those that do know you, God, that you would strengthen them in their sanctification and that their hope would be in the world to come, not in this passing world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio.
1: Robo with you, and Michael Foster is with me, my guest and co-host for the day. And it's been great to having you here, Michael. Just to really appreciate what you've shared with us So far, something we haven't really talked about is the fact that you're bivocational. You're a pastor. You run a church there in Ohio in the States, but you also run a business as well. That's an interesting uh, dynamic.
2: Yeah, so our church is a couple hundred people, and I have made a a decision to stay bivocational because I wanted to see if uh, we could do ministry that way and think through all the difficulties because the future uh, is a little shaky. Mm-hmm. And it's you're not always going to be able to maybe pay for a full time uh, pastor. So we thought we'd like we bite the bullet and try to figure out how could you run an entire church mm-hmm. by vocational, not just a small church, but a large church. And it, it's it's been hard at times, but I'm glad we're doing it. And we'll see if this experiment fails or not. We're not. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's wrong for a pastor to be full time, obviously. But I do. You do see in Paul that at times he decides for mm-hmm. strategic reasons yep. to be by vocational or even pay for his entire way. So uh I do work as a sales uh, director. I work in uh the electrical industry. Mm-hmm. So it's my job to recruit people, uh to train up people, to do negotiations, uh to make sure that our people are following the right sales process. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I like about being bivocational, vocational, it kind of keeps me plugged into the day-to-day grind and yeah. really helps you um connect with the people in your church, especially kind of the working, you know, blue-collar working mm-hmm. class sort of people. Uh, I, I've seen pastors who will kind of shame guys uh, for not coming to this or that meeting. And they have a ton of meetings. Yeah. Uh, but man, it's hard. It's hard. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're working your butt off, you know, you're working like 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Yeah. You get tired sometimes, especially if you got to drive, you're driving like 45 minutes or mm-hmm. an hour and a half to, to your job. It, you know, sometimes you're racing back home to, to make it to the Wednesday night service and you don't get dinner. You you, you eat some junky food out of some gas <laughs> station and you, you know, Chug it down with a soda and then you show up and, mm. you know, and got to pay attention. That's hard. So I think when you, by, by vocationalism, really keeps you connected to what they're going through. There's a lot of ways to get there. One, just being very uh, perceptive as a pastor, but I, I live that tension. Mm. It also is a, just a great way to have influence in a community. You know, I, I interact with the uh, Chamber of Commerce and mayors and Different business leaders and it gives me a chance to uh, have that sort of salt and light influence through that part of my life. So it's yeah. been a huge blessing. I love I love my day job. I love the church. Uh, work is a gift from God.
1: That's wonderful. So with your day job as you call it, like is that uh, full time, part time? Like how many hours a week are you spending so I work about, in each.
2: I I work about sixty hours a week total. And about 32 hours in my my day job, so to speak, mm-hmm. and 28 hours wow. for the church. Our church has uh, five elders. We do a lot of delegation. Um, I'm only over certain parts mm-hmm. of the ministry. If I had to bear it all, I couldn't do it. Oh, right? yeah. And so a lot of times, some what we have in full time pastors is they're not just the pastor; they're the janitor, they're the administrative yes, assistant, yes. they're all those things. Uh, we we use a lot of volunteers, and mm-hmm. uh, we kind of decentralize the ministry. Uh, I, I preach three times. A month usually, but this, uh, uh you know, my associate pastor is taking over the preaching while I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna let me recover when I get back.
1: So I yeah. get my brain working again. <laughs> so that's how we do it. Sunday,
0: morning, Sunday together. morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio.
1: And as mentioned, Phil Edwards back again next week, but uh, it's been great to uh, meet and connect with Michael Foster, and he's been my guest and co host right through the day. Michael is. A pastor from the U.S., from uh, the city of Ohio in the the Midwest, you said it was, wasn't it? State of Ohio,
2: city of Batavia.
1: Okay, yeah, fantastic. So anyway, before you go, Michael, um, I wanted to ask you, and we'll often ask our guests to pray for the nation. So a bit of a a different honor for you, I guess, being that you're a visitor to Australia, but I'm sure you you understand some of the challenges that we uh, face as a nation, and particularly uh, within the church of our nation. So would you lead us in prayer?
2: Yeah, I would love to.
1: Well, Father God, we thank
2: you so much that there is a Christian witness here in Australia, that you have your elect among all the nations, God, and you call them out by the preaching of your word, and you've done that right here, God. So, Lord, I pray that those that do know you would bless them and strengthen them, that you would give them a fear of you alone and no fear of man, God. I th- They would be fearless. They would preach your word no matter what because they know that your word accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent forth. It is a double-edged sword that cuts through everything cuts through the power of Satan, cuts through the lies of men, cuts to the hearts of men, God. So I pray that pr- a prophetic voice, not in like a future predicting way, Lord, but you know what I mean, God, that they would preach your word. They would preach your word passionately. They would cling to it. They would know it's not just a word of mere men, but your word, God. God, I ask that you would raise up pastors, especially bold men that fear you, men that are not uh, looking to to get patted on the back by others, but want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I pray you would raise them up, God, and that they would plant churches, they would revitalize churches, whether in Darwin, Perth, Alex, Al Springs, uh, Sydney, wherever, God, that you would raise up lots of church planters, a lot of bold pastors, and that you would bless this nation with a revival, that they would hate sin, And they would love holiness and they would cling to your cross as the only hope, God. So, God, we do ask that you would bless Australia, that she would become a
0: shining light on this planet. In your son's name, amen. Sunday morning together
1: across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. Michael Foster has been my guest and co-host through uh, this last few hours. Thanks, Michael. It's been really great to get to know you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. So good. And uh, just uh, a reminder, you mentioned this is a a couple of hours back now, but uh, you talked about a book that you're in the process of writing. Uh, which is uh, around, uh, I guess, grieving a loss. You and your it wife is. lost uh, a child, a uh, stillborn. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you're writing about that because you said that you, you know, really there was nothing much around as Not far much. as you yeah. know, walking a uh, Christian through that. So uh, how long do you reckon it'll be before that uh, book is released? Is it close to coming in? My publisher's on me about it. Uh, so I, I hope
2: to have it finished in just the next couple of months. I'm mm-hmm. taking a long break after this trip to – to get stuff like that done. So I think uh um, I, I I bet it'll actually kind of be a new year mm-hmm. thing. a okay. so new Chris impress and the easiest way to keep up with me is to go to twitter.com this is foster T-H-I-S-I-S-F-O-S-T-E-R. Mm-hmm. That's where I share all my updates okay. and uh and uh if you can go to my my website we made people I think there's the first chapter on there free. Okay. Um but uh orton just get uh contact with Tom Ford. He is my Australian secretary now.
1: Okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, look, it's been great to uh, to get to know you. We'll certainly keep an eye out for that uh, book when it comes out and uh, encourage people to uh, connect with you uh, on social media as well. So thanks again, Michael. Appreciate it. God bless. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.